you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. That's right. Welcome back. Life After Addiction. I'm Adam Comer. I'm Bruce Stanley. And you are in the midst of our little mini-series. Uh, we, we've started called The Four Pillars. Again, if you're just now joining us, The Four Pillars are uh, just practical things that we teach that really gel with our curriculum, which is the seven principles of lost and found recovery in Christ. And these four, princ- these four pillars are God's Word, prayer, good fellowship, and a call to action. Now, we've covered God's Word. We've covered prayer. If you haven't heard those, please go back and listen to them. But what we do is we believe that the when the four pillars are, are practiced on a daily basis, that we're preparing ourselves for the pressures and the temptations and the weight that life brings, um, you know, the, being practical. Now, what we don't do is we don't say that these things are some magical potion that you'll never have troubles ever again. In fact, the magical potion doesn't exist, and if someone that tells you it does— they're lying to you. So why do we think that? Because God's word says that. He says that in this world you'll have trouble. He says that the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But what's awesome is that he doesn't leave us there. And, I, and I'm repeating myself through these things because it's necessary. Uh, the, the, in this world you will have trouble. But then he says there's trouble, then there's hope. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus talking. Jesus talking. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But... I have come to give life and life abundantly. So we see this theme in a fallen world that we live in. There's going to be struggles, temptation, problems, loss. But we have a theme that God's with us. God's with us. Uh, uh, I'm with you to the end of age. Yeah, so like just just yesterday, I'm talking to a student after class, right? And he's telling me about his struggle. And he's presenting it in a way, it's like, I just feel like I'm being attacked. You know, I'm I'm, I'm wanting and I'm, I'm... Searching God's word, and I feel like I'm growing, but at the same time, I just feel like I'm like under attack. Mm. And I and I told him, I said, you know what? That's like music to my ears. And he's like, looked at me like, what? Are you, I'm trying to plead with you that I feel like awful. And I said, man, I would be more worried if you didn't say that because it's proof that you're moving in the right direction. If you feel like you're under attack, yeah. And here's the way in which you can handle that. And then we're going to talk about that. Yeah. So again, we're today we're going to talk about the fellowship pillar, but but all of these, and I mentioned these in both the the episodes, but I, all of these are really rooted in the concept that the Bible says that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against spiritual things. And I, I just expressed I didn't understand that until uh, I didn't understand that because I've battled against flesh, and you know we've been in altercations before physically with words and fists, uh, but God revealed through reading His Word that. Hey, why were you in those altercations? They weren't physical. You can't pour out pride or anger on a table and hand it to someone. They're, they're spiritual things. And if you can grasp that, then let's learn how to fight. And so we talked about being in God's Word and prayer. And today we're going to talk about the importance of good fellowship. Not just fellowship, right? Yeah. <laughs> but good fellowship and, and what that looks like. Because there's plenty of bad fellowship. That's right. There. That's right. And so good fellowship, and, and I'll, I'll open just with Ecclesiastes 4.12, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, a two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And <clears throat> I knew early on, man, like my wife and I knew when we, she moved to Middle Tennessee and we were re, we, our marriage was being restored, we knew we needed to plug into a church. 
So we went on the hunt and we found a church. We both just knew that was it. And so I was like, all right, found the church. I knew I needed to be in fellowship, but my wife knew we needed to be in more, more plugged into our church. And so she went. Uh, at that time, I was working at the lodge every other Sunday. So I was able to be at church every Sunday. And one of the Sundays I was not at church with my wife, this was before we had kids, she went up to one of these small group booths and signed us up for a small group. And I was like, oh, no. And so she told me about it. Yeah, and we're meeting this day. And, man, I didn't know anyone at this church yet. And we load up in the car. It comes the day that we're supposed to well, That's meet. how you get to know people. I know, but it's just terrifying, right? I mean, I'm, I'm probably relating to people. We pull up to this house, about to start this small group, right, this fellowship of people I've never met, and we're a little late, 10, 15 minutes. We pull up, and I'm like, babe, let's just catch them next time. You know, and they only meet every other week. And so she's like, no, we got to do it now. It'll be a month before we can meet them again because you work at the lodge and all that. I was like, all right. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to show her, Bruce. In my mind, I was like, I'm going to go in there and just tell all these cats that I've never met just where I've been the last seven months. <laughs> <laughs> and so we walk in and they are, uh, they are, hey, guys, you know, and let's, hey, so introduce yourselves. They go around the room introducing themselves, telling her, we're this, you know, we're whoever, and we do this, and this is what we do, and it gets to us. And I was like, well, we're the Comers, and I've been in rehab uh, the last few months. I was a, man, I was heavily addicted to drugs. I was a thief. I did all these things, and this is where God brought me now. And, man, jaws drop. I'm talking about, like, and I was in my mind, it was just awkward silence. And I was just like, got him. You know, I was like, all right, we're not going to come back here. I don't know why I wasn't doing this maliciously. I just, it was just awkward for me. It and sounds I, like you were. And, and it, 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 well, in my mind, I was like, man, I don't want to be fake. I'm not yeah. going to be around. I'm not going to come to a fake group for however many months and just not be real. I want this to help. And then they're either going to get kicked out of here or it's going to be awkward. Or it's going to be awesome. And I'm telling you, man. The leader of that group, one of my closest friends to this day, he goes, he breaks the awkward silence with, yes, <laughs> finally, yeah, let's get real. And it's almost like it went back around the circle and everyone started telling him, man, that, actually my marriage isn't doing good. Actually, oh, I'm man, struggling with this. Awesome. Actually, I'm doing this. Yeah. And man, we became the closest of friends. This was yeah. years ago. We go on vacation with these people. It's like, it was so cool. And I bring that story up because that fellowship, you're going to hear Bruce. You're going to hear me talk about this fellowship piece. You've got to be real with maybe not a big group. You know what's group. funny about that, man, is that, and, and nobody else knows this, but before I even started working for the ministry, I was doing some some stuff for the church. And I'm going to go to the same church. And some of the things I was doing was, because I was an art director, worked in advertising, and the church was utilizing my skills to help develop some things. And I was on a photo shoot. Because the church wanted some pictures of what a small group looked like, and they chose your group, and I didn't know you then. That's right. And so we <laughs> I came, remember that now. Me and the photographer show up at your group and uh, to take pictures, and we're up in this upper room, and the men and the women they kind of separate during a certain point, and I'm with the men, and we're taking pictures, and I start sharing my story too, and and uh, and the same guy who said that to you, he's like. That's awesome. And then the next thing you know is this other guy in the group starts telling this very personal thing that he struggled with, with pornography. Yeah. And uh, it just broke like into this just realness. And it was just same group. Man. I remember that. So at that time, we were like, the wives would stay downstairs, the guys would go upstairs, and then we'd come back together, you know, to talk about the different kind of issues. And I remember y'all coming upstairs, and I remember their leader goes, 
hey, guys, we get real in this group. Hope that doesn't offend you. You know, just you're about to hear some things. Are y'all believers? You're both like, yeah. We're like, all right, we're about to get real. And then that's when you told your story. I was like, <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, it's just this fellowship piece. It's this piece that I always say this. Like, Bruce, he, Bruce is looking at me, and there's a window behind Bruce out here in my studio office. Uh, Bruce, can you tell me, without looking, can you tell me what's on that wall back there behind you? A window. What's What's through the window? There's a backyard, trees, fort. Exactly. You can't tell me anything about what's going on behind you besides what you saw when you came in. But you know what? I could see everything behind you. I could see your blind spots right now, man. And you know what? You could see mine. I can't see what's behind me, but you can. And that is crucial in this walk, not just addiction, not just, but in the walk of a Christian, a believer, you've got to have people. If, if maybe it's not a lot, but someone in your life that knows you completely, that you, that you can call and they just like, they know your sin. They know what you struggle with and they could see your blind spots and you give them permission to tell you. And that is so crucial in this walk. I was talking with an alumni last night and he was telling me about how he's got that guy. And I was just like, yes, dude, isn't that awesome? And so this fellowship piece is crucial. And then there's studies. I mean, I don't, I'm going to let you talk about this. I'm going to be quiet. But there's studies now, non-believers, about addiction, about how community and fellowship is the answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder where they got that from, right? Yeah. yeah so uh, I think one of the things that makes yours and I story in fellowship with the church interesting is because we come from an addiction background where we're comfortable or we've gotten used to rather being in these circle groups where we all share what happens to us in the day. We're, we're taught to be real that, you know, and some of these programs, it's you, you end up worshiping the, the meeting, you know, it's like, well, I have to have a meeting and I've got to do so many meetings in so many days. And if I don't do that, then I'm going to fall. So it's all surrounded around this fellowship uh, where you get real, you tell what's yeah. troubling you, you share it with another individual, and we all understand this. In fact, so much so that if you've been in addiction recovery for a long period of time, like I was, and you you walk into one of these small groups and somebody says, okay, you know, what do you think? And you just just start throwing up like all this stuff because that's what you normally do in a meeting, right? right. And nobody else is used to that kind of sharing, that level of sharing, right? It's usually always surface level. They don't go too deep. And for the guys who are hungry for it, usually in that group, like you said, your friend now today said, yes, finally we're getting real. Like, you know, that we move past this. And I think sometimes it just it, the interruption of surface level stuff is what we're really supposed to be doing. Uh, and it takes a guy like you and I or somebody who's been in addiction in these meetings uh, where we're used to getting deep because we know we have to. If we don't, then it yeah. doesn't do anything. And, uh, man, that's what happened to me in fellowship with the church. And the same experience, you know, I thought people were, you know, their jaws did drop. And that's not what they hear every day. But they, they just surrounded my wife and I with arms and love and, yeah. and uh and just welcomed us and, and didn't judge us. And, man, we, we so needed that. Yeah, you know what you'll learn, what I learned, I'll, I'll use me. You know what I learned uh, through being transparent? Now, now, what we're not saying, we're not saying go out there and just blast your deepest, darkest stuff to everyone because there's people out there that are not – that, are, that will try to use stuff against you. You've got to be, use discernment about yeah. who you trust. But that's not an excuse not to trust someone, mm-hmm. right? But you know what I've learned? 
I've learned, Bruce, that through being transparent and allowing to, people in and to know me fully and then them allowing me to know them fully, everyone is jacked up, man. Not just people battling with addiction. Yeah. Everyone is jacked up. We live in a fallen world. Some people can hide it better. Some people can put the smiles on. But everyone has got issues. And when you create an atmosphere of transparency and love without judgment and helping people walking beside someone with encouragement, uh, with it, uh, you know, being there for someone, hey, and, and if I give a guy permission to be like, hey, man, you probably shouldn't have talked to your wife like that. You know, when you were over and at first, if I respond wrong uh, and then go back and just be like, man, you're right. If I give a guy permission to speak in my life without me being so prideful, you know how beneficial that is for me? Mm-hmm. Man, it's growth. It's what God, God uses that to help sanctify us. He uses his people. Iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So let's, let's talk about good fellowship. What yeah. is good fellowship as opposed to bad fellowship? Sure. And I think bad fellowship would be anything. So let me preface this then. Good fellowship doesn't mean necessarily sitting around in a circle, singing kumbaya, doing Bible studies, right? That is good fellowship, but that doesn't nece- that's not where it ends. You could be having good fellowship going down a river fishing for trout. You could have good fellowship playing a board game. You could have good fellowship playing sports, whatever it may be, having a conversation, going to a movie, whatever it may be. The, con- the, the context of the fellowship isn't necessarily the activity, unless the activity is sin, right? I've had wise guys, I have good fellowship at the strip club. Like, whoa, 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 back up. <laughs> that's on. bad fellowship. That, that's sin. Anything that leads to sin. It's the mindset. It's what you guys are. Are you bringing God glory? As you're fishing, are you are you honoring God as you're playing sports? Are are you like minded, having good conversations, um, those kind of things? Because when you do, it's uplifting. It's it's good fellowship. It's bringing life and not death. If you're having death talk, is what we like to say around the camp, mm-hmm. right? When you're talking about the things that led you to rehab, that's probably not a good good. If you're glorifying those things, you're in the wrong spot, bro. Yeah, so two things I want to talk about that in good fellowship is uh, things that God asks us. Let me rephrase that. The thing God commands us to do in good fellowship. Two two things that I've learned in that is, one, because some people can say, Adam, hey, uh, out fishing on the river in the morning on a Sunday, hey, that's my church. Yep. That's my church time. That's what I'm doing, and I usually bring a buddy, and we talk about God and whatever. Uh, although that is good fellowship, it can't replace a command that God uh, ask, uh, tells us in that we are to gather and we are to be part of a fellowship. the corporate gathering. Corporate Absolutely. Gathering. In fact, here in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So here, the second thing in that is, one, we must be part of a church. We must be far, part of a corporate God fellowship that we worship together, we tithe um, to the fellowship, uh, which means that we're we're giving what God's already given us back to him for a purpose for God to use in, in the missions of God's people. And then, and then the second part of that is uh, fellowshipping with one another in that, there's a there's a requirement in that personal fellowship with each other. So not only do I belong to a church in that corporate gathering and that fellowship, which I need, right? And God requires of me, 
But I also have good fellowship with individuals, other men, right? Not women, but other men that I'm friends with, that I meet together. And we do fish sometimes, or we do get together and we talk about things. And in that relationship, the requirement is is what the Bible calls admonishment, hmm. right? Now, the, the admonishment is different than what the world says in a friendship way of judging each other or trying to help one another, right? And, and admonishment is broken down in two parts. Two parts are, uh, first, it's exhortation, which means a building up. So just I, I just read to you in verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good work. So in admonishment, I'm called to exhort you, meaning build you up, tell you the things that you're doing well. Like, hey, brother, man, these things that you, man, you're doing, I'm so proud of you, you know, I'm like, you, what you're doing is helping me to to see things so that I can do the same thing. You know, we're we're reminding each other of the good things of what God has already blessed us with, so that you can remember. Tell you know this this helps mostly in you know a day I'm feeling bad and and I'm just like down on myself, beat myself up. I'm like, man, I'm just not worthy. Yeah. And I got a brother that comes and he says, oh, "Are you kidding me? You're, you're a child of God, and you." You've been called a saint. You, you know, you're righteous before men, and God's already forgiven you for all those things. And man, all you got to do is turn to God. Remember, remember what, that day when you were feeling the same way and you did that. I mean, remember how good you felt when you did it that way? That's what exhortation is, right? And then the second part is edification. And the word kind of is it's self explanatory. We are to edify each other, meaning I'm going to edit you in a loving and gentle and kind way, because we know these things are the Spirit of God and what God calls us to in fellowship, relationship with each other, is I don't want to come at you angry. I'm not going to come at you in correcting you, but in, in a, a, with a glad heart, with a kind heart, with a gentle spirit, I'm going to say, hey, man, you know, I think you, you forgot about, because I heard you say this thing, and, and I think you're 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 uh, misled by what you think of that, or you actually quoted it wrong, and this is what it says, and this is what it means. And so we're helping each other yeah. in that edification uh, to also build each other up, but it is never to come at each other in a judgmental way, say, I'm better than you, you're wrong, I'm right, you know, here's what you're doing, and that's not good, and, and all these kind of things. And that's what God calls us to an admonishment and fellowship with one another. Now, you're not going to stand up in a church and do that, but you could do that with a brother, and a brother could do that with you. Right. In the same way, he says, "I've given somebody permission to right. admonish me." And that's a both, big piece. You got to you yeah. got to lay down pride and give someone permission, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and I think even what you're saying, like, I've got in love. Hey, hey, man. Um, like you're saying, I love you, uh, and I'm hearing you, and I know that you know the truth. And here's the truth: what God's word says about you. And sometimes you gotta. Sometimes guys need to hear hard truth. Like, mm. hey man, self pity is gonna destroy us. Uh, you know this is this place that you're in right now. Let me walk with you. But here's the truth, and and you're not hearing it. You're not seeing it. You maybe quoted it wrong, or whatever. But yeah, let, help me. Here's my you. You were there for me when I was in this pit. Grab my hand, man. Let's go. And yeah, so fellowship is this is this incredible piece it's and again we could spend hours talking about how important it is and and i'll you were in hebrews and and (laughs) very next thing is is chapter 12 it says therefore since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses 
chapter 11 is the Hall of Fame of Faith, right? So these cloud of witnesses that have come before and these strong people of faith, it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. So not only knowing through God's story that he's used mighty men and women that have faith, that also the Bible reveals their flaws, but these people have had faith. I mean, I wonder how much more is that if you are surrounded by people who have people of faith and like-minded that love Jesus that are surrounded by you, how much will that also help with laying aside weight and sin and helping you run this race with endurance? Yeah, absolutely. Looking to Jesus. And I want to finish with this because, I'm, uh, we, like you said, we could go hours of stuff and we're trying to keep it. We try to keep these episodes to 20 to 30 minutes so that, you know, they're digestible. You can listen yeah. to it on your way to work, you know, these kind of things. So here's what I want to finish with is, and this is to the person who says, man, my relationship with God is personal. Right? It's me and God. Yeah. I don't need to fellowship with other people. And the Bible doesn't say that I'm supposed to like go to a church or that's just something man has created and yada, yada, yada. It, that is absolutely not true. Amen. The Bible clearly says, you just read, I just, we just read a couple of verses that say, you know, that we are to gather together. And so God requires this of us and it's for our own benefit. And it, it, goes, it coincides with the two greatest commandments that Jesus said when asked, what is the greatest commandment? He quoted two. He says, love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. We can't, in fact, John, the book of John, I think it's First John, says you, you can't say you love God and you don't love your neighbor. Mm. That, that you, You're lying because mm. they, they both contradict each other if you don't do both. And Jesus said the same, both are equal to each other. Love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart. So that means I can't have this one-on-one relationship with God alone and not my brother. That's right. Or sister. And and so That's that right, point, right, that right there, it just kind of, you know, from Scripture, that's not me saying it, it's Scripture saying it, yeah. is that if you're not in a church, if you're not in fellowship with your brothers, uh, you're not living. The Bible actually calls you a liar in your relationship to God. Mm. Great point. Great point. All right. Life after addiction. This was pillar number three. We got one more. Hey, we're going to challenge you. Now you've got three, seven days for the next seven days. Be in God's word every day. Pray every day. Be in fellowship. And you can't. Good sometimes fellowship. it's hard. Yeah. Good fellowship. Sometimes it's hard to have good fellowship every day. But you know what? There's these things called cell phones, right? <laughs> uh, make a phone call. Do something like You can have good fellowship, even if it's just a text. What if God yeah. puts it on your hey, heart? Hey, for our alumni out there, don't forget, you're part of an alumni uh, in, instant messenger thread. At any minute, you can get on there and be in fellowship with your brothers, alumni brothers. Amen. Amen. Awesome stuff. Life after addiction. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.